Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and thank you for being here with me this week. I feel like I'm starting a new chapter. I just celebrated my 100th episode, which I stopped. I celebrated. My husband and I went out to dinner. We raised our glasses. We toasted. And uh, it was just such a it was such a big accomplishment. And I am grateful to you. I'm grateful to you for being here with me week after week. The download numbers keep increasing. We are in 24 countries. We're global. We have over 12,000, almost 13,000 downloads. And just the growth and the excitement of the podcast has just been so much fun. It It is a labor of love. I love being here every week. And I'm grateful that you join me here every week. And I am fired up. It is February, and it is the month of love. Valentine's Day is one of my favorite holidays, and I know for some people, they actually really don't like the holiday, and they (laughs) don't celebrate it because, you know, they say, I shouldn't have to celebrate Valentine's Day just because it is a certain day, but I don't know. I guess I'm old school. I'm... I really love Valentine's Day. I really appreciate it. And I am just feeling the love. My husband and I celebrated. My husband surprised me with seven dozen roses and like 10 cards. That's our thing. We we don't necessarily get each other big gifts or extravagant gifts for Valentine's Day, but we we kind of have this little competition going with greeting cards because we both said when we first started dating that we love cards. It's like, if you don't do anything else for the holiday, just please get me a card. And so now we, I think, I think we've up to 15 cards <laughs> for one holiday. And I know I always get a funny look when I go and I buy them on my end. Um, people are like, uh, that's a lot of cards. Uh, do you have multiple husbands or what's happening here? But Um, When I tell them, they always think it's really sweet. So as you can tell, I'm super excited about Valentine's Day, but it got me thinking about the podcast in the sense it got me thinking about other things that I love in my life. Obviously, my husband, number one, my kids also number one. I I love my girls so much. They are so important to me and my extended family, my, my mom, my aunt, my uncle, Um, I'm so blessed with amazing family. And then I started thinking about the work that I do. And I love the work that I do. I feel privileged every day to get to do the work that I do in helping make an impact in people's lives through giving them coaching experiences, whether that be one-on-one coaching or a group coaching experience like our Women Leading Powerfully program, or our group coaching in organizations called our Leadership Lab, which is co-ed for both male and female leaders, or if it's even one of our retreats. I love the coaching process. And more so than that, I love my work because I get to make an impact. And I see 
the results of the impact that I have with people because they have impact in their life and their leadership. And the reality is coaching is a holistic process. So when you're doing leadership coaching, which all of my clients come to me for, we're coaching you as a whole person. And so inevitably, personal things end up coming up as well. And what I love is when I'm coaching a leader and then I hear how that leader is going and affecting their teams and affecting their organization and asking for increased compensation and salary raises for underrepresented groups in their organizations, I know I had a little piece in that. And I don't minimize it by saying it's a little piece. I know I had an impact. And that is amazing. When I am also coaching a leader who happens to be a stressed out mom, and I hear her, and I'm coaching her on you know, communication methods with her children, and I hear that she's a better mom, she's a calmer mom, she's a more rested mom because she's taking care of herself, that brings me great joy too. So I love what I do. I, I, I could spend an entire podcast telling you how much I love the work that I do. And I want to preface this conversation by saying that this episode is going to be mainly focused in on doing work that you love. So my hope for you is that you are already doing work that you love and that this podcast is just going to be validation of that work. But if you're not doing work that you absolutely love doing, then I'm going to give you five steps to find work that you do love. And I'm so excited to share these with you. Now, if you're sitting there saying, Natalie, I am stuck in my current role. There's no way I can change. I know what I want to do. I know the work I love, but I have golden handcuffs. I'm the sole provider of my family. Whatever your reason is, just stick with me until the end because I will address how you can find more things that bring you passion as well. So stick with me towards the end and we will figure that out together. So let's dive into finding and doing work that you love. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. I think it's really important for us, first and foremost, to kind of get the lay of the land and drop a pin in where we are right now. What I know from coaching at this point hundreds of people through the pandemic is that COVID has been a powerful pause for so many people has given so many the opportunity to reflect, to reassess, and to redesign the lives that they want. And many people are still in the phase of 
reflecting and reassessing. And that's okay because they don't quite know how to redesign yet. And that's where it becomes important to have a coach, have a friend, have a mentor, have a spouse who is going to sit and have those conversations with you to find out and to ask you the powerful questions to help you align and design what's next for you. But we're going to cover some of that today. I spent a large part of my career doing data and and consumer insights. And so what I was seeing in my private practice, my coaching practice, also is validated by the data. There's a Stanford professor. His name's Jeffrey Pfeiffer. He wrote a book called Dying for a Paycheck. And I just want to give a reality of what's happening right now in our society. In one survey, 61% of employees said that workplace stress had made them sick, physically sick. And 7% of people said that workplace stress had actually sent them to the hospital. The reality is that job stress costs U.S. employers $300 billion annually. And they've attributed 120,000 excess deaths each year to workplace stress and burnout. In China, it's even worse. Uh, One million people a year might be dying from overwork. And this book, Dying for a Paycheck, talks about how modern management of working long hours, uh, work-family dynamic and and lack of work-life balance, um, economic insecurity, it's all toxic to employees. And it's hurting engagement. It's increasing turnover. Because if you also look at the the labor market statistics, here we are in a pandemic when people have been financially hit and people are leaving the workforce in droves. We've never seen anything like this in the past 50 years. And the truth is, is not only is work making us sick, as Jeffrey Pfeiffer says, But we're sick of the work that we're doing. And if we look at Gallup survey, we used to do Gallup survey in my old company. And if we look at recent Gallup survey results, the data for 2021 shows that just one third, 34% of employees were engaged. And not only that, 16% were actively disengaged in their work and their workplace. And this was from a sample of 57,000 people, both full and part-time employees. And the numbers were down from 2020. So I can only imagine when they do the data for 2022, it's probably going to follow that same trend. So when you think about the fact that 34% of your workforce is engaged, what that means is 66% of your workforce is not engaged let alone those 16% that are actively disengaged. And these numbers aren't surprising. If you look at all the challenges that leaders face, you know, because of COVID, vaccine mandates, uh, remote work that they're not used to or equipped to leading in a hybrid environment, navigating through uncertainty. I mean, there's been so much thrown at leaders And I'm sure you're feeling this as well. And at the end of the day, people are reevaluating their work. 
Because the reality is we realize through COVID, maybe COVID was a a powerful kind of gut punch to us. We realize that our time is limited. Time is a finite resource that we never have enough of. And so while we're here, we might as well make sure that we are doing work that lights us on fire, that feeds our soul, that connects us to our purpose. Because it's then and only then do we find true happiness and true fulfillment when we are really aligned with our values and those values are aligned with our goals. And so you might be saying, Natalie, that sounds great, but how do I specifically do that? So let's dive into the steps. The first step is to sit down and do a very honest evaluation of where you're at right now. You can't move forward unless you have a pin dropped on the map letting you know exactly where you are. And so what that might look like is taking out a journal or having a discussion with a coach, a partner, around where are things at for you right now? Where are things lighting you up at work? Where are things draining you at work? And what are those specific things that do feed your energy? And why are you working where you're working? What is keeping you there? What is the pull? Is it financial? Is it security? Is it potentially fear? And having those real honest and probably difficult conversations about assessing where you are right now. You know, what happens so many times is we we just get caught up in the day-to-day and we just get caught in the day-to-day routine. We're going through the motions and we're what I call being farmers, where we're just looking down and doing the work that's right in front of us because that's what our habits are and that's what we're used to and that's what's comfortable for us. But we need to look up and what I call, we need to be an astronaut. We need to be able to zoom way out and really look at the big picture. And when we do that, as both individuals and as leaders, it allows us the opportunity to look at the big picture vision. What is the vision for the future? What do I want my life to look like in five years, 10 years, even 20 years down the road? And am I doing on a daily basis what is going to cumulatively lead me down that path? Because the reality is if you have certain goals 15, 20 years down the line and you're not taking small steps each day to lead down the the path towards those goals, you're not going to get there. And when I'm talking goals, I'm talking about more than just financial goals. I'm talking about what are your life goals? When you look at every aspect of your life, whether it's financial, emotional, social, your home environment, your education, your personal development, all of it, I want you to think about what your life looks like in the future. Take that astronaut view and combine it with the farmer's view and do a very clear assessment of where you are right now. So that's the first step. The second step is to get really clear on your values. I talk about this a lot because it's so important. And when we get clear on our values, it becomes a compass for us to make all of our decisions moving forward. And the reality is, sometimes our careers 
take a different path and they start swerving away from our core values. But it's it happens slowly. And so we're not always aware that it is happening. We take a promotion. We take a relocation. We're leading a team. And maybe we really like the independence of being an individual contributor. But we took the promotion because it fed our ego. It also fed our developmental opportunities. But we just kind of kept blindly being the farmer and not really making intentional choices about our future that might not have been aligned to our goals, more so our values. And the reality is our values typically don't change throughout our lives, but how we bring those values to life might. And I'll give you an example of this. So for me, family has always been and always will be a core value of mine. It is the compass in which I make decisions from. So if I had a work trip scheduled and my daughter had a birthday party at school, I would rearrange the work trip to be there for the birthday party at school. I know not everyone made those same choices and there was no judgment around that, but those were the choices I made for myself. And so for me, in early on in my career, um, it held me back because I was choosing family and I wasn't able to take promotions that were basically going to put me on the road 99% of the time. I, I didn't want to choose that for my family. And so that's how it played out then. Family is still important to me now, but now the way family plays out is different because both my kids have left the house. And so while family is still important and a core value of mine, it's shifted with regard to the time consumption that it takes up for me. So it's freed me up to do more in my work. And for me, impact has become equally important for me. Whereas impact was important to me when my kids were little, but the way impact played out for me then was my thought was, I'm going to be there for my kids so my kids can have an impact on the world. I want to have an impact on the world. But at the point, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I, I didn't know about coaching at that point. And I was a farmer and I was going along with my path. And what I thought is, hey, I might not ever find my passion. I might not ever find work that I love. But my gift is going to be the impact that I give my kids the opportunity to have out in the world. Luckily, that shifted for me. And now I have found work I love. And now I get to have that impact that I always wanted to have. But I never thought I was going to have it directly. I thought I was going to have it indirectly through my children. And now the awesome thing is I get to have both. But again, I never knew how it was going to play out for me. But when the kids were little, that was my version of impact. So you can see why getting really clear on your values is important because it becomes the foundation for everything that you do. So my third tip is get really clear on your why. Now, this might sound very similar to getting clear on your values, but it's taking those values a step further. And it's going a layer underneath of, okay, family is important to me, but why? Why is family important to me? Impact is important to me, but why is impact important to me? And so taking those values and getting really clear on your why. The reason why your why is important 
is because this also becomes a foundational compass for you in your decision making. So when you find yourself in an organization that is not aligned with your why, that's when you're going to start to feel that mismatch and you're going to start to feel restless and you're going to start to feel unhappy. You may already be there. And I'm guessing that if you're there, either your values are being compromised or dishonored or the organization isn't aligned with your why. And here's what I want to say about your why. I want you to be unapologetic about your particular why. If your why is to accumulate as much money and wealth as you can, then own it. Own your why. If your why is to change the world and to make radical disruptive change to our economic system or our social system, then own it. But don't dim your why. I invite you to think about your why and the direction it leads you because this is a really important factor around doing work that you love. Because sometimes we can find ourselves in a position that maybe we're not passionate about, but when the organization is doing something that aligns with our why, that can be the catalyst to keeping us there for the long term. And likewise, if the organization is not aligned with your why, and you can't find an organization that is aligned with your why, then it's an opportunity for you to go out and create your own. Build your own organization that is going to be defined by your why. And I want to give you an example of a client that just went through this process. So coaching this woman, and she says that she is all about building culture and organizations. It is the most important work that she does, and it's it's her solid why. She loves building culture that makes people feel included, that makes people feel seen, feel heard, feel respected, and even feel loved. It is vitally important to her. And an organization just bought her organization. They merged together. And she now reports, she was the CEO, and now she reports to a leader who doesn't care so much about culture. And she's only been there for four months. So she was really questioning, is it the timing that I've been there that is making me, you know, kind of feel uneasy? Should I give it some more time? Or is it that leadership isn't aligned with my why? And we had a conversation. It was actually in a group environment. And the feedback that she got and the questions that were asked of her helped her realize that no matter what she did, and it had nothing to do with the length of time she was there, there was nothing that was going to change that was going to get the organization or the existing leadership to be more in alignment with her why. And so she made the courageous decision to actually leave the organization. And she's going to be starting her own company that is more aligned with her why. That is her why, not more aligned. It is her why. And to see her in that original conversation so drained and so exhausted from the rumination of questioning herself over and over again, and to see the excitement of her making that decision to choose to step out and take that leap, and despite the fear, 
despite the potential roadblocks and challenges ahead, it doesn't matter because when you're so aligned with your why, nothing else will get in your way. So speaking of potential challenges and roadblocks, the biggest thing that I see with all of my coaching clients is that fear gets in our way. Anytime we are about to take a big leap, fear rears its ugly head and says, whoa, 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 what are you doing? We need to stay safe. I'm here to keep you safe. We are biologically wired for negativity bias, and we are biologically wired not to take big risks. It's an old evolutionary biological wiring that keeps us safe, but we don't need it anymore. We don't need it. The times have changed and the fears that our body is reacting to aren't real, but we make them real because we let fear get in the way. And so I share this because having fear is normal and it's okay. However, when fear paralyzes you and prohibits you from taking action, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's what I want to bring up to you right now is When challenges get in your way, which they will, just being aware of them and still stepping forward, still taking that next step into action is what's so important. So I challenge you to have a real conversation with yourself because what I want for you is I want you to love yourself enough to know that you are worthy of the future you desire. What I will share with you is I think this is the biggest challenge and the biggest hurdle that I see for every one of my coaching clients. We doubt ourselves. And the truth is, underneath that doubt, we just don't feel like we're good enough. We don't feel like we're powerful enough. We don't feel like we're strong enough. We don't feel like we have the right skills. And I would love you to do an inventory of your strengths. What makes you unique? Write those down. And also write down what it really means to own those strengths. What does it mean for you to accept and honor the unique qualities that make you uniquely you? And then trust yourself to know that those qualities will get you to the next step, whatever that next step is for you. I have so many clients that say, I want to do work I love, but right now I'm in XYZ career and I want to transition And I don't know how I'm going to do that. Sure, there's going to be sacrifices along the way. Potentially, maybe not. But you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. Most of the people I see are somewhere between 40 to 60, and they're looking to make a career transition. And what I share is, yes, you're scared, but what are you going to regret more? Are you going to regret being on your deathbed saying, damn, I wish I would have taken that next step. I wish I would have gone towards the doing the work I love. Or are you going to say, oh, I'm so glad I played it safe. I'm so glad I let fear drive my results. And the reality is we all have fears. And this is where a coach specifically aligned with you and your customized goals and your aspirations can really come into play. Because those days, those weeks, or even those months where you're facing tremendous fear Your coach is right there by your side, walking you through the fear and being your accountability partner side by side with you. You don't have to go it alone. You can have support and you can have someone right there with you. Which brings me to the last step 
in doing work that you love. It's all around taking action. If you've gone through the other steps and you've identified work or an industry that you love and you want to make a transition, then just take action. Taking action is step number five. It doesn't matter what that action is. It could be as simple as an informational interview. It could be putting you in proximity to someone that is doing work that you want to do or in the industry that you want to go towards. Just taking those small steps. Maybe it's something as simple as reading a book. I have a new client that I'm working with, and she is dynamic. She's skilled. She's smart. She is a go-getter, and she wants to completely transition industries. And she's so excited, and she's scared. Obviously, she has all the fears that we all have around financial security and benefits and potentially going out on her own versus, you know, leaving a corporate job and all the pros and cons of that. And I said, look, let's just take one small step at a time. And that was her homework is to figure out what the next step was for herself. And she ended up ordering a book and two books, actually, and she devoured the book, which leads me to believe and to validate that her energy is there for this new transition to this new career, to this new industry. She's transitioning from HR to real estate and real estate development and investment. And it's so exciting to watch her on this journey because she just lights up when she talks about it. So when you start seeing your energy rise, when you talk about something, that could be a huge leading indicator that that is something that you should start pursuing by just taking action in some small way. Or if you're courageous, take action in a big way. Do something bold. Do something courageous. I would say don't do something reckless, but start making a plan to build a bridge to that future, to doing the work that you love. So we've talked about five steps that you need to take in order to do work that you love. And again, these steps are around building a bridge and being intentional about what this next phase is for you in your life. But I promised I would address this in the very beginning, and I want to circle back to it. Some of you might feel stuck for legitimate reasons at your work. Now, I would challenge you a little bit on, are you really stuck or are you letting fear get in the way? But let's just say for now that you really are kind of stuck and you're kind of shackled to your current job. Maybe you only have two years to retirement and you have a nice pension. Maybe you have a big payout, like one of my clients does, in two years that equals a million and a half dollars and it's worth staying. Or maybe your position right now offers you flexibility to be with your family, to work at home that you might not have otherwise. So we all have reasons for staying. And we might be disappointed that we're not doing work that we love or work that lights our soul on fire. But the reality is, I think we also put a lot of expectations on the fact that what we love and our satisfaction needs to come from work. What I invite you to think about is where else in your life can you find joy? I have a client who wasn't super happy at work. She was just kind of bored and she wasn't being challenged. And it just happens to be kind of an organizational reality 
of where she's at right now. And she loves a challenge. And she also is super creative. And so we've been working together. And she recently signed up for art classes. And what's happening is she's loving these art classes so much that she kind of can't wait for her day to be done so she can get to her art. She also loves photography. So she's starting to pick up her camera and she's starting to photograph more. So she's finding love through her hobbies and through her extracurricular activities. I also have a a former client who has recently just started getting really back into fitness. She's kind of bored at work, but she got a Peloton. She's doing workouts all the time. She's really focusing in on her fitness and meal preps. And that is bringing her a lot of joy right now. So I invite you to think about where else can you find joy that's going to spark your soul, get you excited, get you engaged in life outside of work. And where are those opportunities within the work that you're doing, even if you don't love it, where you can find opportunities to bring joy for yourself? I know for me, you know, in my previous role, I I didn't feel like I was having a huge impact on the world. But what I did to counterbalance that is I became the person on my team that was really about helping and serving others and alleviating some operational roadblocks that were getting in everyone's way. And just the joy of being able to eliminate some of those things and make people's lives a little bit better at the end of the day was really satisfying to me. So where can you get in touch with your value five steps? And how can you incorporate and operationalize those values within the current work that you're doing so you can have more joy? Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.